guys are barrels of fun. This is section 422. Oh, yeah, Welcome to section 422. This is episode number 65. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. It's Tuesday, July 7th. On this episode, we'll discuss the first few days of summer camp. The Brewers have Return to Miller Park as they prepare for the start of this 2020 season. Will has been on hand for some of those workouts, so we'll talk about what he has seen and perhaps a few things that he has not seen yet. We'll explain why that might be important over the course of this episode. Unfortunately, a few positive COVID tests were released by the team earlier this week, so we'll discuss those. And uh, we'll talk about a few other follow-ups, too. Corey Knable back in action, the fifth starter battle, kind of picking up where it left off when things stopped in March. Uh, Will, how's it going for you today? Good, man. Has it crossed your mind yet how how many shows we did without like talking about baseball, like a, like a baseball team, like we're supposed to? It certainly crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean, we started hosting these together, I think, in March, and we had about two shows before baseball stopped, and we've had probably about ten shows in between now and then. Uh, so I'm glad we, we've got kind of the normal order of things, or at least the new version of the normal order of things. Uh, so I, I think most people out there just want to know, like, what is the environment like at the workouts right now at Miller Park? Because this is something we've never really seen done before in Major League Baseball. Yeah, man, it's weird. I can give you like a chart of my temperature every day if you're interested. <laughs> I, you, you probably aren't, but... You know, I'm I'm healthy. Um, I I've personally been tested. I'm I'm fine. Uh, thank thankfully. But in case I in case anybody wasn't, you would not be allowed to go into Miller Park even as a reporter. I mean, they take your temperature every day. And I'm just talking about media media folks, right? When we enter the stadium, they take your temperature. They make you fill out this form, uh, sign a waiver, the whole deal. And of course, you have to be in a mask at all times. And that includes being in the press box. And so that mask is on all the time. You're staying uh, a safe distance from somebody, whoever's usually next to you in a press box. We're not seated on top of each other or anything like that. And then on the field, it, it looks a little bit weird too. Um, you know, I I, I kind of closed my eyes at one point and I tried to pretend that like this was just like a normal practice. And like when you hear the sounds of like the bat and the glove and, and people chattering and stuff, you can talk yourself into that. But then you open your eyes and you see everybody in masks and people more or less keeping a safe distance as much as possible. And it's and it's weird. It's weird to see. It's it's weird that we're talking about opening week coming up in a couple of weeks in mid July or late July for the season to start. So the whole thing is weird, and and I feel um, skeptical about it. But I'm also excited too, though. I, I actually am excited because uh, I love baseball, and and I, I've been waiting for this particular season, and so I'm going to embrace it and just hope that everything goes smoothly um, and just remain flexible because. Like I've been saying, it's it's weird, but I think like the more that you're open to like these quirks and and even the rule changes a little bit and just the roster sizes, it's it's for the better because you're gonna see some strange stuff. And so the more you tell yourself right now, hey, this is gonna be a little bit different, 
um, the better you're going to be. Because when you turn that TV on and there's no fans in attendance except for those cutouts, you know, (laughs) 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 next to Bob Uecker, um, it's going to be a little bit awkward the first time around, I suppose. I think they chose the right section to put the cutouts in, by the way. Yeah, I agree. As a very unbiased observer to the entire situation, uh, those sold quickly, too. I-, I thought at 50 bucks a pop, they would probably have uh, plenty of room for more, and they actually had to open up more of them to actually meet demand. So uh, people excited to be in Miller Park, in Section 422, even if it's a, a cardboard version of themselves. Uh, the interesting thing that I've noticed, and for people who are just picking up this show for the first time, my responsibilities for The Athletic are fantasy baseball and fantasy football related, so I have to focus on the entire league, and it's been really difficult to track news, for one, so I imagine for you as a reporter assigned to a team trying to get information directly, it's been extremely difficult, and the thing that's really been, I think, confusing, and it's probably confusing at the workouts too, but I I wanted to get your thoughts on this, is that we're left to sort of guess when it comes to players being absent and reports that we get again from writers like yourself, you know, they'll indicate that someone was not seen at a workout and that could mean any number of things. And the one thing we cannot do is assume that it means that player is uh, in the protocol and and being tested for COVID. I mean, like there's, personal reasons that players have missed time that are actual personal reasons. But what muddies everything up is that we have some managers and some GMs out there who are passing down information and trying to be mindful of HIPAA and protect players' rights. And we are completely confused as to what is happening. Now, for the Brewers in particular, Luis Urias and Angel Perdomo have confirmed a positive test for COVID. That is known. They're going through the protocol right now. But the question that a lot of people are thinking about is who else might be unavailable. And even that, it sounds like just in talking to you before we started recording is kind of hard to figure out while you're at the park each day. It's, it's impossible really, because just for the brewers example, they split their work workout day into two different groups. And so you have a group that comes in in the morning or early afternoon, perhaps, they get their work done, then there's a break, and then the next group comes in, they do their work through the late afternoon or the evening. The media slides in for one of those groups. We don't see both. We don't see an overlap type of situation. We're there for a couple of hours for basically the better half or the better portion of one group's workout. So therefore, we're seeing just a portion of the guys on the roster or or the active Uh, the player pool, I guess I should say, um, to be technical about it (laughs) with with, uh, the larger number in play. But that's what we're seeing. We're seeing about half of the team at best. And I say at best because even then, like you mentioned, Derek, like there are guys who I haven't seen, but I'm not going to speculate on their absence because that's not fair at all. I mean, who knows? Uh, Maybe, for instance, um, and I was talking to you about this earlier, but like say Christian Yelich, for example, the first time we saw him was, um, well, he did a Zoom interview with us, but the first time we saw him actually participate in activities on the field was uh, just the just on Monday, and he took some BP for the first time in front of the media. But he was doing other things. But I mean, like, imagine if somebody said, like, oh, we haven't seen Christian Yelich yet. Like, geez, I mean, like, that would be uh, 
that, yeah, that would be like the wrong thing to do. Um, but yeah, so it, it's really hard to pin down like what, who exactly is with the team or who, who's missing, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, and, and it's awkward for everybody. I mean, like Craig Council, it was interesting how it kind of broke down with, uh, him relaying that information about Luis Urias and Pernilla because at first it just kind of started off as like a normal, normal zoom interview of whatever that means. But, um, he gets a, the first question was about the schedule being released later in the day. And he answers it says, you know, I haven't really thought about it because we have all these thousands of issues going on. And like, yeah, man, I get it. And then he just says, you know what, guys, let me just say something right now. Um, and then he kind of explained, like, this is how I'm going to do it. It's a little bit awkward, but these two individuals have told me, yes, it's okay to relay this information and make it public. And that's really the only reason we got the information. So, who knows? There could be other people who have tested positive uh, for COVID, and, and we just don't know on the Brewers because the correct council did say uh, the first day of camp that they weren't going to be at full strength, and we were kind of left to interpret that uh, for what it meant, and, and who knows? I mean, uh, were those the only two guys missing? Uh, I mean, were those the only two guys who tested positive? All these questions, and, and we're never – throughout the whole season, we're never going to, I think, have a full grasp on – what happened to a specific player unless that specific player allows that information to be out there. One thing that has seemed to be different or at least good about the workouts in Milwaukee compared to some situations around the league, testing doesn't seem like it's being delayed in Milwaukee at all. We've seen I think the A's, the Nationals, uh, the Astros, the Cardinals, there have been several teams who've had some issues getting results back. I think the San Francisco Giants on Tuesday had to cancel workouts at their home park because they were waiting for results. And it sounded like in a clip I heard from Craig Council just a couple days ago that the Brewers have not run into any issues like that, at least so far, with the testing process. Nope, not at all so far. Uh, and so that's the way he put it. You know, So far, so good for, for their team. Which was nice to hear based on, you know, after, after what we heard about those other few teams around the league and it being an issue. Uh, it was, has not been an issue from Milwaukee. Brent Suter did say though that his gripe has been gathering enough saliva so that he's prepared to, to spit as many times as he needs to. So aside from that gripe, I think everybody's okay with the actual testing protocol here in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's good good to hear because, again, it has not gone smoothly uh, league-wide, to say the least, to this point. Summer is here, and our sponsor, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving with their Lawnmower 3.0 personal trimmer. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is a waterproof, cordless body trimmer that makes it safe and easy. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new replacement blade refill for your trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, including a travel bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC. Now, I think one of the best things about having 
workouts start up again is that we have actual baseball type items to discuss. Um, you know, Luis Urias being unavailable for a little while, that's going to hurt his chances of being ready to play a prominent role when the season begins. It's hard to believe opening day will happen at Wrigley Field against the Cubs in just over two weeks. It's two weeks from this Friday already. It doesn't seem like it's that far away. Uh, of course, Urias had the wrist injury back during the spring. He was going to debut the day everything stopped. Uh, but there's other battles and other things to keep an eye on. Corey Knable has been able to get some work in. And of course, with the extra time off, I think there's been some speculation that he might be ready to go when the season begins. So how has Knable looked and how far away is he from being ready to pitch in a competitive setting? A little bit of a funny story for you. So on that same Zoom interview, the idea of Corbin Burns gets brought up into the conversation just because we were scheduled to speak with Corbin later that same day. So somebody, one of the writers, what, you know, working on a story on Corbin Burns, asked counsel about it. And that got me thinking like, okay, yeah, there was that fifth uh, starter battle, uh, job uh, battle for the fifth starter job. And I was like, you know what? Hmm, I haven't I haven't seen um, Freddie Peralta or Eric Lauer or even Corbin Burns for that matter yet. And like we were just discussing, I was trying to get some information just really on how they looked. Not even I'm assuming they're on the team or they're with the team, right? I, I just want to know how they looked. And so I asked uh, Craig Council, like, hey, what have you seen so far from those three guys? And he was like, Hey man, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't, I can't really give you like guys off the top of my head because I've seen so many guys, which kind of scared me for a second. I was like, Oh gosh, you know, here, here we go. I'm about to find out some, some strange news in the next couple of days. But then he says, um, I can give you one highlight though. And that's been Corey Knable. Um, he's, he's looked really sharp. Uh, pitching coach Chris Hook echoed that sentiment saying kind of the same thing that he faced uh, live batters, and that was a good sign. He was doing some of that, though, in Texas. I don't know. Too many people caught wind of that just because there weren't a whole lot of folks paying attention to baseball news a couple of months ago. But uh, Corey was getting himself in shape and, and getting himself ready. In a regular traditional season, or if none of this had occurred, he would have been ready uh Already at this point in the year, I, I think at least, even perhaps a tad earlier, like he was scheduled to be back somewhere around maybe mid-June around that point. And so here we are approaching mid-July. So he should be good to go. And, and he made the point earlier saying like, hey, nobody has really faced that many live hitters at this, you know, over the past three months. So I'm not really that different as far as schedule goes. So that he, he, by all accounts, has looked good. According to counsel and Hook, their opinion probably matters more than not, more than mine. But for what it's worth, we haven't seen him actually throw yet, so I can't explain or expound too further on that. And kind of just to wrap up, so nobody gets a little bit worried, we did eventually see Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns later <laughs> that day too. So all good on those. It was just kind of a funny a funny thing uh, that entered my mind. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to ask about these three guys, and we get this really. Uh, cool information about Corey Knable, which I'll take. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you you almost want to have a, a roster checklist with you as you go to the park each day just to say, like, who have I seen and what have I seen them do? I, I think it goes, obviously, far beyond even just knowing who's available and who's not. But even with the starting rotation, you know, everybody's seemingly at a different point in terms of what they were able to do while they were away from the team. There are going to be some guys who are pretty much 
ready to go endurance wise as though it's the middle of the season. They're going to go six or seven innings right away. The Brewers don't have a lot of guys who get that deep into games often anyway. Part of that's just the makeup of the roster. But I do wonder, after hearing some comments from Chris Hook, are they going to be really creative with the back-end spots? Are they going to think about tandems with Peralta and Lauer or Lauer and Burns or any combination similar to that? Are they going to possibly throw an opener? I mean, it kind of seemed to me, reading into Hook's comments, that the Brewers have kept their minds open to doing things a bit differently because of the shape of the season and maybe just because they'll have to. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily rule out anything for the Brewers pitching staff just because they're capable of of playing around and and doing some quirky stuff and all for the better, I think, because like I said at the beginning of this conversation, you got to prepare yourself mentally to see some things that Maybe the uh, baseball purist that you dis- kind of disagrees with or is a little bit bothered by, but you're going to have to put that aside because the Brewers especially have that pitching staff that's that's versatile and, and, it, and it's pretty deep. I think my biggest concern is how good is it just in terms of its quality, but I like their depth and I like their versatility with the staff, uh, particularly with their the guys who they were going to ask for to start games for them originally, you have the the first four: uh, Brendan Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Brett Anderson, and Josh Lindblom. Plus, you have Eric Lauer, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, and then you also have somebody like Shelby Miller, who we've actually seen throw a couple of bullpens, and and he's looked pretty sharp too. And so that's another guy that they may keep on the roster and and have since they're able to carry thirty guys, and and they want sixteen or seventeen arms. And so then, then you have that kind of um, scenario that you outlined, where you could have somebody like an Adrian Hauser who has never, who hasn't yet in his career shown you an ability to pitch deep into games. Well, you're not going to really need to ask him to do that right now necessarily. You could ask him to give you three or four quality innings, and then have somebody like a Freddie Peralta pitch the next two or three and bridge that gap to your better arms in the bullpen. And Chris Hook said this a bunch, or he referenced, this to, uh, referenced it a couple of times, where we tried to ask him different things about how it could look, and he kept going back to, it may look a lot like last September. And so for me, I wasn't here last September, as people listening to this know. So, well, of course, I watched some games, but I really wanted to know, okay, exactly what does that mean? So I looked into some of the numbers, and... It was pretty remarkable when you remind yourself just what they were able to do and how they did it. I mean, we're talking about, I think the number was something like 17 times, if I counted correctly, that a pitcher wasn't asked to go more than five innings or maybe even less than that, something like didn't even pitch into the fifth inning, which which is kind of crazy when you think about it. No time did a Brewer starting pitcher last September throw seven innings. They just weren't asked to do that sort of thing. And a lot of that's because of the the larger roster, the expanded roster in September's. But we'll get some of that, like I said, with uh, the active roster being 30 for the first two weeks and council preferring to carry 17 pitchers. So I don't know if uh, that's all that creative as far as tandem goes, Uh, like, you know, piggybacking and that stuff. People sort of know what that means at this point. Uh, But it's definitely a little bit unconventional, um, and I think that's going to have to play. You're going to have to play that way, particularly early on, when guys are possibly not at that full strength. And like you said, Derek, even if they were, you don't have guys 
on that pitching staff one through five that you're probably going to get six or seven innings or, or of quality every every fifth every fifth day anyway. One of the thought to this too, you know, the rosters being bigger for the first two weeks, thirty players, uh, twenty eight players for the two weeks after that, and then down to the twenty six after that four week mark. I looked at the makeup of the schedule and I was surprised to see the Brewers have four off days over the course of 15 days in September, which seems very odd when you're playing 60 games in 66 days. And I think they have one off day on the 30th of July, but their second off day of this season doesn't come until August 17th. So that doesn't give you a lot of flexibility to skip a starter. It doesn't afford you that little bit of rest that you're going to want between games. Um, So that was one of the things that kind of stood out to me as I was thinking about pitcher usage when that schedule came out on Monday night. Yeah, definitely. They have that one day off in August, and that stretch in particular around that off day is, is kind of a tough one for them because th- there are no soft spots for a little while. I mean, like you're playing the Twins, uh, you're playing the Cubs, you're playing the Reds, the the revamped Reds too. <laughs> Put that out there. They 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 should be pretty good this year by all accounts. So um, it's a it's also a tough part not only is it grueling but it's tough as well like you got some quality opponents there you're not playing the Royals or the Tigers until really September um, like and then you have those off days and so you could do some different things but yeah I, I feel like it's so it's going to be so important to get off to a good start those first two weeks especially for the Brewers just because it, it doesn't get a lot easier for a while. Um, like you get those first two weeks where everything's new and you don't really know how things are going to work out. And then right after that, like you mentioned, you got that one day off and then you're up against a, a, a huge grind. And so that to me is going to be the most interesting part of the season. It's like that make or break portion. And you're absolutely right. It, it, it will be fascinating to see like, okay, is that, is that going to be the point where maybe a, a Brandon Woodruff is going to give you maybe six innings? Um, and maybe that saves guys that you could bridge the rest of the, bridge the rest of the way, maybe the next three or four days, uh, using a variety of guys. And then you could save them that way. Cause another key difference from last year is that three batter minimum rule as well. And, and that may throw a wrench into, the way the Brewers operate to some to some extent. Um, so, yeah, it'll be tough. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about the roster and the decisions that decisions that they're going to have to make on that too. You got some quality arms, and then you also have some questionable, sort of unproven guys in that bullpen that you're going to have to rely on one way or the other, regardless of what your roster looks like with the impact of, of uh, COVID-19. I mean, like you're just going to have to rely on those guys anyway. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions there. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Brewers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Brewers for a free online visit 
and free two-day shipping. Got one other news item that I wanted to throw out there for this episode. We received word earlier today that Garrett Mitchell, the Brewers' first-round pick, uh, agreed to a deal with the team. $3.243 million signing bonus. That was the slot value uh, for that pick at 20 overall. So good news, I believe, that makes all five members of this Brewers draft class now under contract. Yeah, I believe it was Adam McCalvey of MLB.com, who covers the Brewers, of course, who, who first reported that deal. Um, yeah, that was expected, too. Uh, like, we we suggested that right away, that the Brewers took those five guys knowing that they were going to sign those guys without any sort of hiccups. So good to see, of course, from the Brewers' standpoint, that actually occurred. And Garrett Mitchell, like we've talked about before when we did an episode sort of um, reviewing the draft and had Keith Law on, there's some question marks there with just how good he is, but but he is already pretty 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 damn good for your first round pick. He, I feel like, despite the questions of whether his power will get there or him having type him dealing with type one diabetes, it's just he's he's a damn good player, man. You talk to anybody, any scout, um, not just with the Brewers, just other people around baseball, and they like him. They 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 think highly of him. So he, he has the potential to be a five-tool guy. And when you could get a guy like that at their pick, it was number 20, it's quite a steal. I mean, he's, he's going to be pretty good. It's just a matter of where he, um, where he goes from here, how soon it, it occurs, who knows. Um, David Stearns talks to the media on Thursday this week, and he'll be talking to us every Thursday. So we'll ask him about what happens next as far as guys like a Garrett Mitchell, for instance, in regard or these top prospects who we didn't write uh see right away on the roster or the player pool like is it time for that alternate site to open or when when will they when will they start to utilize it and how many guys will we see and, and all those type of questions and so one of those will be you know will garrett mitchell be part of that group yeah my expectation at least would be that he will be because i think they've got a lot of room on that pool and most teams seem like they're inclined to include their first-round picks from this past June, especially just to get those guys some reps, knowing that college seasons were very much cut short. Some high school seasons didn't even happen. So for, for Garrett Mitchell, I think, just to continue that development, the Brewers are probably going to put him in that mix. I would imagine he'll be part of that reserve squad in Appleton. But yeah, I, I think... And being able to catch up with Stearns every Thursday is going to help shed a lot of light on some areas that, frankly, would be impossible to sort out without someone willing to take the questions. Because this year, as we said at the top, it is going to be a strange one. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. You can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. I'm at Derek Van Riper. And you can get a subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 422. That will get you 40% off if you don't have that subscription already. Send us questions on Twitter. If you have questions for a future episode, we're happy to answer those. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform like Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and review, please take a moment to do that if you're enjoying the show. We greatly appreciate it. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week from Section 422.